on this episode of Therapy Bites Art Lab. Well, that's a common misunderstanding. People think that just by the nature of going to therapy, you're going to get better. But that's about as logical as thinking that you can take your automobile to any mechanic and presto change yo, it's going to get better. Uh, I've actually found with psychotherapy in general, lots of patients go to lots of clinicians and they find themselves uh, in front of a nodding head doll and they stay for years and they just don't get better. Sometimes actually get worse. Shocking as that may seem. Welcome to Therapy Bites Art Lab, where Dr. Heath and his special guests share real-life stories of helping and healing. Fresh from the actual therapy couch, while taking a bite out of common counseling missteps and misconceptions. And now, here's Heath and the T-Ball team. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Therapy Bites Art Lab podcast. We're going to talk about all things mental health, and it's not at all going to be bright. Uh, we're going to talk about some scary things from the dark underbelly, the underside of the therapy couch. And I have with us today three brave psychotherapy warriors. We have nerdy bookworm Sarah. Hey. Let's see. <laughs> we have gamer girl Heather. Hey. <laughs> And we have our own Bearing Debbie. <laughs> okay, I'm Doc Keith. We're just here to have some fun today. Let's see which one of these uh, uh, fits me. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll be having a different topic every episode. We'll be dropping an episode every week on your favorite podcast platform. We invite you to join us weekly, share it out to others that could benefit from, from sound. Um, ground level, real life psychotherapy information. None of the crap you get on social media. This is evidence based psychotherapy techniques, and we're not going to be shy about challenging some of the social media Kool Aid drinking pseudo psychological nonsense that you might see out there. Uh, today we're going to talk about some unfortunate things, some spooky, scary things. This is spooky season. Halloween's coming up. I uh, hope everybody's ready for it. I, I maintain my Halloween mask year-round. This is my costume. And, uh, yeah, scary, huh? <laughs> and uh, um, today we're going to talk about some uh, kind of spooky things. Uh, some people think that by going to therapy, you just get better. I wish that were so. It's actually the case that if you don't get the proper therapy at the proper frequency, uh, the proper protocol, uh, a therapist that engages you and challenges your thoughts, actually some pretty bad things can happen. I've had people, patients tell me that they've actually gotten worse from going to different um, ABCXYZ psychotherapists. And we're going to talk about some of those stories today. Uh, uh, we're not going to share names. Uh, this is going to be anonymous. You're not going to be able to identify any a patient from our stories. Some of these are patients we might have had 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'm kind of dating myself there. Uh, and we, we've actually mixed up and combined some different stories so that you're not going to be able to tell who it is. And uh, we want to protect the uh, identities of folks. Uh, the folks that we're using have actually consented for us to tell their stories because they're looking for uh, helping others, uh, looking for their journey and their struggle to benefit you. And that's that's our purpose. That's their purpose. We thank them 
for uh, allowing us to share those stories. Uh, just a disclaimer, if this sounds familiar to you, you can be assured it's not you, okay? Uh, just because it, you know, uh, seems like it could be your story. Well, it, it, it may be similar to your story, but uh, no, we've not uh, fashioned cameras and secret mics in your homes and captured this information. <laughs> this is all from people that said, hey, sh- if, if sharing my story can help somebody, please share my story. Uh, let's let's get started here and see what you guys have run into. I thank you all for being here today. Y'all are brave psychotherapy warriors, and you're there <laughs> in the trenches every day. And um, who would like to share a story with us? Well, I I think um, some of the some of the sad stories that I've heard is um, from multiple people. This like like you said, this isn't one case. I've heard this many times: is people being told that they can't be helped, that uh, wow. they're a lost cause, they can't be helped, and um, there's nothing that, that there's no hope for them in life, and that just baffles me to think that any therapist would tell somebody something like that mm-hmm. you know i've also heard people who um, have had behavior issues with anger years ago lots of years ago being told you know to get a baseball bat and go outside and hit a tree and <laughs> and that's going to cure your that anger. sounds like that would hurt <laughs> yeah you know i did that when i was a kid i wonder if that was a therapist's intent you know it's uh, a pain therapy. Oh, you know, it's it like, is. what about Bob? It's, it's death therapy or something, oh, you know, baseball bat therapy. I think your hands will be stinging, your ears ringing for weeks after that. You know? <laughs> Aversion therapy. There you go. For the yeah. tree. Yeah. 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 Poor tree. <laughs> yeah. I'm a tree hugger. You know, let's, let's, oh, let's, let's take it easy on the trees. <laughs> I, I've, I've spent quite a bit of money. I had two trees in my front yard, and I paid a tree service to actually come and uh, – uh, administer medication to those trees, not psychotropic medication, <laughs> actually tree medication. And uh, oh my, my trees were not uh, having an anxiety problem. They weren't depressed. I don't know. Do trees get depressed? Maybe they were depressed. Maybe I wasn't hugging them enough. Yeah. I think Maybe it was a parasite, actually. they lose their leaves actually. in the fall. Oh, oh yeah, they yeah, shed yeah, their leaves yeah. in the fall. Yeah, mm-hmm. sad trees. Uh, <laughs> that's just uh, survival mode for trees. They go into hibernation like bears in the winter. Uh, but yeah, aversion therapy, it, it, it's amazing to me the things that uh, clinicians come up with. I'll share a scary story that just really flabbergasted me. And I, I've seen lots of kids who have been sexually abused. And by the way, I'm going to slap up a MA rating. Uh, here's your alert. MA rating here. This is adults only. Uh, a lot of kids who've been sexually abused will start to act out sexually. And I've seen children as young as five and six years old develop a addiction to masturbation. Uh, I've had several cases, not just one. Uh, I'd hate to think this was the same clinician, uh, probably wasn't, they came from all over, that actually uh, with this, uh, uh, with several children who were masturbating with objects, I mean, imagine a, a child masturbating with objects, uh, that, that different clinicians had recommended that the family go to Walmart and buy a an object 
that would allow the child to masturbate safely with that object. Uh, promoting masturbating with objects. I mean, imagine that. Where I, I've, I've not had any course in all my years in college, and I think if I counted up after high school, I was in college, this sounds awful, for 16 years, and none of those courses in any book that I see anywhere buy a child an object with which they can masturbate with. I mean, holy no, crap. No. I want to ask therapists that recommend that. Listen, what are you smoking? I mean, and can I have some of it? No, I'm just kidding. Wait a minute. (laughs) I I mean, are are you hallucinating? Why would you recommend this to the family of a child to promote this? Uh, I'm thinking as a therapist that does treatment for PTSD, uh, how the child is reengaging and reliving the sexual abuse every time they use that object. Mm -hmm. And you might say, wait a minute, uh, but aren't they having pleasure? Well, see, that's, that's, that's a misunderstanding of PTSD. Uh, 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 Over-simulation and reenactment doesn't just have to be all negative. I mean, the reenactment can be pleasurable. That's why we see patients become very sexually permissive, uh, both male and female, after they suffered trauma from sexual abuse uh, or rape. And by the way, just to clear up a misperception, as we call it, myth perception, it's not just women who get raped. I've had a good number, that's kind of, that's an oxymoron, a good number of men uh, who've been sexually molested and it's 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 not just women. I mean, it's it's both. Is it typically women? Yeah, but there's a whole segment of men out there, and I've had um, in my years uh, quite a few. Uh, I'd say thirty percent, in my experience, uh, twenty-five to thirty percent of patients that I get for sexual abuse actually uh, are men. And here's a really scary story. Uh, the abusers will will train them, groom is the word, groom them with secret code words mm. so that they can communicate with them and no one else will know what this means. Mm. And one of those terms was, uh, I mean, it's, it sounds disgusting, but my favorite food, one of my favorite foods, uh, I, I, I love sugar-free applesauce. And I don't want to uh, twist your brain on applesauce, but that was the word that was used for semen. Mm. The child was taught that this stuff coming out of my, and again, here's another mature audience warning. This this is not a podcast episode for kids. <laughs> we'll make sure that we store it as such, um, was taught that this uh, substance coming out of this man's penis was applesauce. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. And that's how the child referred to this. Mm-hmm. And the scarier part of it is, since it was just the child's word to the clinician, when this was presented in court, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. No one was charged because there was no audio. There was no video. There was no recording of any kind. It was... One, one, one kid's word, and uh, I mean, I, I get the criminal justice system, and there's got to be controls, but uh, 
this this person that committed this abuse got away with this. That's one of the, mm-hmm. I mean, not these scariest because I've had I've done therapy with some serial killers, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, when it comes to just a tragic story, that was a very tragic story. Uh, have you guys run into cases similar to that, similarly tragic? Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know if I get it. Well, I don't want to say top it because that's not something you want to top, but. Um, just something that kind of comes to mind whenever, um, I was working, uh, at a, at a different place, I was working somewhere else and, um, I would, you know, do the intake with the, with the patient and I would only get to see them for what, like an hour, hour and a half, but you have to put a diagnosis on the intake. So that way insurance will cover it. Right. Um, and so I'd give them, you know, the least, the least diagnosis that I could. So maybe like unspecified anxiety or something like that. And then they would go off and they would see the psychiatrist who saw them for, you know, even shorter time that I saw them. They'd come back to me and I'd look on their chart and they had like five or six diagnoses. And usually one of them was a personality disorder. Um, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, my, oh my goodness. A personality red disorder. Red alert. Red alert. Red <laughs> right, alert. Right. I mean, no human being has six psychiatric diagnoses and i mean it it, this is a case where more is not better (laughs) oh and it gets worse it gets worse because they the the psychiatrist would tell them list off six diagnoses to the patient wouldn't tell them what any of them meant and send them back to me And so well, then I'm in the wonderful. Holy crap, all of Batman. <laughs> right, right. And then I'm. I'm Here's your the... sixth diagnosis. I'm not going to explain <laughs> exactly. it. It's a, it's beyond you. Oh, yeah. my God. But Goodness. here's your new six labels. Right. And I'm in that wonderful position of having to describe to this poor person what these what these mean and trying to do it in a gentle way because I can't go against what the psychiatrist said. But I don't, Of course not. I don't want them to be like, oh, my goodness, I'm, am I crazy? Is there something really wrong with me? I worked with a doctor one time <laughs> whose initials, I won't say it was, but I, I kid you not, the initials were G. O-D. The physician signed the charts, G-O-D, was referred to as Dr. God. The worst thing in my profession is we get so full of ourselves. Listen, a doctor is is also a human being. Just because you become a D-O-C, a D-O, an M-D, a PsyD, a Ph-D, which, by the way, I've told stands for piled higher and deeper, right? That's what the is. Yeah. Uh, we all know what BS is. MA, uh, uh, MS is more the same. Uh, PhD, piled higher and deeper. And that's uh, coming from a, a dual doctorate, PhD. It's funny. Uh, but but that doesn't mean that we that we are beyond questioning. Uh, by the way, this relates actually to a study in the airline industry. Hmm. Huh. There are studies, and and you could probably Google it or see this, where uh, pilots at one point were not to be questioned. Wow! And there are some cultures that it was even worse that that you know you could actually slapped. Uh, a, a superior officer on an airline has been known, uh, the captain has been known to slap a subordinate mm. if the subordinate questioned them. Wow. And, and that's a whole cultural thing that I won't get into. But the point is there were more, guess what, there were more, more crashes. 
if if you can't yeah. question the person at the top of the food chain, so to speak, you're going to have more adverse outcome. There were more crashes. Now, uh, you're listening to Therapy Bites Art Lab, bite-sized therapy for your brain with Dr. Heath and the T-Ball Team. The best advice on the net. No copay required. Uh, the FAA uh, jumped on this, good for them. And then our country's FAA was requested to send trainers to other countries to teach them how to integrate into the culture of their airline, question, question your superior. This engenders safety, questioning your superior. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were, uh, in QA, quality assurance, when I was doing surveys, the um, one of the things that we trained is to check, check, check. Uh, when the doctor gave an order to read back the order, Mm-hmm. Uh, these days in ORs, they will go around the table and make sure all the other professions, just like the launch of a, of a space capsule, you know, are you good to go? Are you good to go? Are you good to go? Mm-hmm. But, you know, strangely, that is lacking from the mental health industry. Mm-hmm. If the, yeah. if yeah. the doctor God prescribes this reality, it is supposedly beyond question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a very dangerous situation for patients Mm -hmm. that there is a culture in the mental health system that you simply do not question the doctor. And who pays for that? The the client, the person, Mm -hmm. the patient pays for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's obscene. Mm -hmm. If you want obscenity. um, uh, That's obscenity. Yeah. Question, question, question. Mm-hmm. That makes me kind of think of too when we were in school. Um, we had this get together with a bunch of different professions. We had nurses, doctors, I MDs, I ODs. Um, I don't think psychiatry made it, but um, they were invited. It was just a bunch of different health professions, uh, the College of Health, um, Nursing and Health. Mm-hmm. And we were brought together and they started, you know, talking to us, you know breaking us out into groups where we had one of each group in our circle and we were talking about communication and what everybody does. And it was always the doctors who seemed to kind of, I don't want to say Lord over, but you know, like head the thing. Um, They had that, you know, that God (laughs) complex of, well, I know everything. And, oh, you're just a measly like social worker. You can do the discharge planning and we need a psychiatrist to do the therapy. And And, we need to give the social worker everything. We don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I shocked, I shocked one of their pants off. And when I, when I, cause I went through (laughs) that. That sounds very embarrassing for the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I mean, I was on a survey one time that came out of the bathroom early in the morning and here's where not question to get you because literally this happened. I walked around in my white coat, literally a white coat, mm-hmm. in the facility all day. And then finally, at, at, well, not all day, but till noon, and got to go to the restroom again and found out my pants had been unzipped all day long. <laughs> but, oh, don't say anything to him. For oh heaven's sake, somebody say something to me. That's you know, funny. somebody alert me. Oh, goodness. But no, so what I what I did, we were in an area where we were in a, 
fake hospital room, you know, with the with the patient. And the patient was like, you know, they had just been through a, a natural disaster or something like that. And they were like, man, I just, I need some comfort. You know, I miss my dog. And I, I jumped in before the doctor could say anything. And I was like, you know what? Let me talk to some people and I'll see if I can get a therapy dog in here. And the doctor whipped around and looked at me real fast. They were like, you can do that? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I can do that. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but it was funny. That is hilarious. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. just a fairy magic. <laughs> you can really do a therapy dog. Magic Sarah. <laughs> Presto. Imagine that. And I know of I I've, I've heard I know of a client who um, had had questioned a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist actually got angry mm-hmm. and yelled yelled at the client. I mean, really yelled at the client and said some very unkind things. Mm. You know. It, it's it's kind of like don't question me. Wow. And this client had had been through all kinds of stuff and was just terrified because of all the side effects that they'd experienced from different medicines. Just wanted some reassurance, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm gonna be okay taking this. And and boy, I guess I guess he put the hammer down. <laughs> put the hammer down. Well, listen, all you patients out there, clients, customers, consumers, human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's who we're treating. We we are we're not treating these things called schizophrenics. That's a label that doesn't exist. We're not treating alcoholics. That's a label that doesn't exist. No offense to my NAAA brethren, but once an alcoholic, not always an alcoholic. That is a label. You do not become your diagnosis. Right, One of the right. worst things we do to people, um, and, and even clinicians, even clinicians. Now, clinicians, I'm going to give you an alert. This, of course, this could cost you your job, but it could teach somebody a lesson. Uh, I did this one time. I've done it with several people, by the way, because I'm a bit of a shock jock. Um, you know, people ask me, they'll say, you know, I tell people the story. I think my mission, like Samson in the, in the good book, you know, he uh, uh, said he slew his enemies with a jawbone of an ass. And I had somebody ask me recently, oh, so you're Samson? No, no. I'm the jawbone of the ass. <laughs> Yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, here's the job on the ass talking. A good number of people would really agree with me on that. Um, but I've used this before. When, when you see a, a, a medical professional go off uh, at you and become discourteous, you express your concern and simply ask them, I'm sorry, are you constipated? <laughs> I mean, that could be. I don't feel good when I'm constipated. I mean, I don't know why they're going off at you, but it's certainly nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. If you're that patient where some medical professional went off at you, mm-hmm. that is not your problem. Mm-hmm. Their emotions belong to them. Uh, you should not blame yourself for that. You have done nothing wrong, right. and you do not have to take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are the customer. Exactly. They are supposed exactly. to be there to help you. Right. Uh, right. Now, I'm not sure what clinical technique that would be, uh, <laughs> yelling at a patient. I, w- uh. I mean, unless their head was on fire. Hey, your head's on fire. I mean, I would, <laughs> I would yell at them and maybe throw them in the pool or something and help them, help them put their head out. But yeah, mm-hmm. a, a lot of uh, clinicians they do develop this uppity, you know. Uh, uh, mystique about them mm-hmm. that they can do no wrong and it's it's mm-hmm. almost as if they 
you know, you'd think that they'd never go out in a rain shower uh, because they would drown. <laughs> you know, all the water goes down their nostrils. I mean, look, the, the best thing that we clinicians can ever do with the people we serve is to show our humanity, mm-hmm. to to show people that we can have a difficult time and manage that, mm-hmm. uh, to show people that we're not flawless. Uh, I mean, to I, I tell folks that that in therapy, this is is not real life, uh, but it is practice for real life. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to help you practice real life. Just a, a quick thing. I, I did a, a series of videos, Psychotherapy from Hell. That's up on, <laughs> yeah, Psychotherapy from Hell. Uh, mm-hmm. That's up on Instagram, and we're putting it up with some little uh, quirks and graphics on uh, YouTube also. But uh, uh, it, it is not the best therapy technique to go to therapy, and what you get is this dizzying effect. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, the bobbing head doll therapy technique. Come on, guys. Listen, I didn't learn that in college. Yes, this, I know. This is called a minimal encourager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. But if that's the only therapy that you're getting, uh, well, that's, that's not therapy. I mean, it, it's a cool technique, but it's like going to a mechanic that only has a screwdriver. He needs to have a whole toolkit. Okay, what are some other stories, some scary things for the spooky season we can talk about? We have a few more minutes left in our episode today, and we'll be back next week for our next episode. But we're going to drop all these at once to encourage you some binge-watching, binge-listening. That way you don't got to wait to get your second dose of therapy bites. Um, kind of on the same lines of what you were just talking about with like the nodding head. I've had clients that have told me that they've been in therapy for like 10, 13 years and they haven't seen any progress. Nothing has changed. The therapist just looks at them and is like, Oh, so how was your week? And Oh yeah, that is difficult. Hands them worksheets on mindfulness or grounding or, and doesn't tell them how to do it. It's just like, here, this should help. And, They've been doing it for like <laughs> 10 years and it's like they, they come and they're like, I've learned you, you actually explain things I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, we were supposed to talk about this and tell you how to do it. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't I they just gave me a paperwork and I just didn't know what to do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, uh, there are therapists that would do very well in the twin industries of uh, behavioral health. And uh, the funeral home business. Oh, dear. Because, oh, because, you know, we really think about it. I mean, I, you might see places pop up like this. I mean, uh, kind of sort of tongue-in-cheek. But really, uh, you could get people in for psychotherapy and then sell them a casket. Because if they stay with you long enough, you could also bury them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness you know? We have your treatment plan and your casket. Because you'll be here forever. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> Uh, it was. It was. It, it, on, on a serious note, I, I recently read a book, and and this really yet one more thing that just flabbergasted me was the writer, a very good writer actually, and I, I don't say that lightly. There's, you know, I I would love to be able to write as well as uh, this uh, woman wrote. She was fantastic writing about 
my profession, even though she was not in the profession, but she had been a patient, a client, a consumer of the profession. But she was describing cognitive psychology, and it was a very, it was a very <laughs> brief definition. She said, with cognitive behavioral therapy, get this, here's your definition. You do worksheets. Yeah. And oh, I dear. thought, oh, my goodness, what no. an indictment. <laughs> what we have put out there is that that cognitive behavioral therapy can be encompassed in you just do worksheets. And that's no. it. That's what the public mm-hmm. thinks about what we do for a profession. No, we're not psychoanalysts. Uh, we're not psychodynamic. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I like to say I'm Jung at heart, but we're not all that Jungian. And, uh, but we are cognitive behavioral, but it's so much more than worksheets. And if that's mm-hmm. all you've gotten, well, someone's done you a, a disservice. We have a, another few minutes and we'll have to move on and close out our, uh, therapy bite session for today. What other stories have you run into from the dark recesses beneath the therapy couch? Well, and Heather, I think it was you. You had uh, somebody tell you uh, that, you know, therapists just don't really do anything. Yes, yes. I I went to the doctor and she asked me um, what my profession was. And I was like, oh, I'm an associate clinician. I'm a therapist. And she's like, oh, well, those things are like, you guys don't do anything. You guys don't know what, like, you guys are just a myth. Like, you guys don't really help anybody. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Well, and I mean, that's really common when, when you have yeah. somebody who um, comes to you for therapy. Thank goodness they actually still decide to come because sometimes when people have bad experiences, they just don't want to come anymore. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get that. But, you know, when they finally do come and you, you actually challenge their thinking and you're actually like, okay, so well, you know, let's get, let's get into this and you're working with them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, oh my goodness, what is this? <laughs> yeah. what is, is this what therapy supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Well, the unfortunate thing is, is I think you said this was another medical professional. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, where, where does that come from? I mean, I, I am not trained in cardiology, but I know enough about it to speak intelligently about it and, and recommend it when it's needed and mm-hmm. be supportive of cardiology and audiology and gynecology and all the other ologies, <laughs> uh, proctology, and, uh, but not to just be dismissive of it. Yeah. And I just have to ask, I mean, what have we done wrong in, in our profession where our fellow medical professionals, that's that's what they think of us. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is an assumption on my part. You know, they say you shouldn't assume because it makes a you-know-what out of you and me. But um, <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is, you know, maybe they have sent referrals to different, you know, therapy places and the, the mm. people have gone and they've just come back and they're like, well, that was worthless. Please don't ever send me there again. Uh, you know, possibly. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know. Well, and the sad thing about it that I tell patients is uh, – uh, after they've described to me the therapy that they've gotten, is basically they come and talk for 45 to 50 minutes. The therapist uses a lot of minimal encouragers, yeah, uh-huh, okay, and head nodding. And then they actually feel better. I mean, because, as they say, they've gotten things off their chest. I mean, who doesn't want to share their story? Right. And that's mm-hmm. great. And, and, and it really uh, uh, produces a lot of, feel good neurotransmitters, oxytocin, even a bit of serotonin. Uh, but see, feeling better isn't a cure. Mm-hmm. Feeling better isn't treatment success. No. And I know that's going to rock the world, and we'll do a future episode on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with that 
is it's a bit of a uh, has a bit of a boomerang effect. It it kind of comes circles back and gets you because after a while the patient realizes, hey, that was awful good belly aching for 45, 50 minutes, and I've done it for six months, nine months, a year, mm-hmm. but my problems are still there. Right. right. And the hard thing about therapy, and I tell patients, and this is horrible advertising, therapy is hard. It is. It's a very different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You're actually you know, ratcheting or cranking your neurons, and, and that's a mm-hmm. tough thing. Uh, but it's kind of like a, a, a tough massage session. Mm-hmm. You know, you might yeah. be sore, or, or really a tough workout where you're sore after mm-hmm. after the workout. Therapy's not just to feel better. Okay. Right. Uh, any other quick stories? we got just a minute. One to wrap it up with? Uh, can't think of, I can't think of anything right now. Okay. I, I guess the, the, the worst thing I've heard people told is you will have this diagnosis forever. Yes. yes. You will always be this way. Yes. Just give it up. One of my favorite people mm-hmm. in the world, though mm-hmm. I never met him, and it's the story of Kim Peek, and you know him as Rain Man. Oh, yeah. Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was young, his parents took him to a psychiatrist who said, you might as well send him to a home, and he will be there forever. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. And Kim Peek would talk about that. I think oh. it was called uh, Grand Forks. Just drop him off at Grand Forks, said Kim Peek. But his father... Invested his life in him, and he became the amazing man. He's passed away now, as well as his father. The amazing man that we knew as Rain Man, who wowed audiences with what his brain could do. He wowed audiences all over the world. And so we want to leave you today, folks. Uh, you uh, Therapy Bites Art Labbers. That's Art Labbers, accurate, realistic thinkers, life-affirming believers with this. Don't let anybody limit your view of yourself. Don't let any doctor, any clinician, any therapist, any psychotherapist, anybody with a big long list of credentials after the name limit your belief about your future. Uh, As we always say, we first engineer our thoughts, then our thoughts engineer our lives. You be careful this spooky season to get rid of those spooky thoughts that might be sabotaging you. And make sure that you're designing thoughts which engineer for you a healthy life. Thanks for joining us. Catch us on the next episode. Bye, Bye guys. Hey, T-Ballers. Thanks so much for being with us today. If we brought value to your day, show us some love by leaving your positive feedback and inviting some friends to listen in and join the T-Ball team. Next time on Therapy Bites Art Lab. Well, yeah, I mean, therapy... Uh, can be really spooky and, and, and I think therapy can be very very scary and that's probably the toughest thing about it is patients come to us and they're really set in these patterns and the brain is really meant to have patterns and patterns are interpreted as safe and absence of those patterns is interpreted as danger but healing is going to require pattern disruption. Therapy is all about pattern disruption.